You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. On Point here on Global News Radio. Great to have you here with us. Time for Counterpoint tonight. Omar Khan, who's got the impossible job of campaigning for the Liberals. Hey, hey. Hi. Don't count them chickens before anything's no, we, hatched. No, we do not, actually. We do not. And Jamie Ellerton, of course, principal at Canaptus? Canaptus. I can never say the name of it. Anyway, you're both two political insiders, so we get very good context from you. Let's talk about, I think, the big story of the day, which is the teachers' union, the biggest of the unions that came out today uh, to support the NDP. They're looking for a meal ticket. They think Andrea Horvath is going to be that meal uh, meal ticket. This is a big loss for the Liberals, who have had their support for many years. I want to play a clip of uh, Sam Hammond, who's given them their marching orders. There's no doubt that Ontario voters are calling for change in this election on June the 7th. The Liberals are trailing in the polls, the PCs are in front, and the NDP are gaining ground every day. Later today, Andrea Horvath and her campaign team will make their first stop at the ETFO office so that we can begin our work together for the people of this province leading into the June 7th election to work for change that works. Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, <laughs> you know, I take issue with public sector unions. You know, they make money off of the taxpayer. And I, I frankly, they should not be allowed to do this kind of stuff. So, first of all, uh, Sam Hammond and Edfo have never actually been very close with the Ontario Liberal okay. Party. No, no, fair. No, hold on. Hold on. Teachers <laughs> okay. unions have, mm-hmm. not Edfo. Oh, okay. So, Edfo has never actually endorsed the Ontario Liberal Party. And actually, they still vote for your party. Over the last 10 years, has been extremely critical at a number of occasions. The Catholic Teachers Association, the, the Ontario Second, Secondary School Teachers Federation, uh, the French Union, the French Teachers Union, different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see where they end up coming out, but... ETFO historically actually has never endorsed the Ontario Liberal Party. But to your broader point, you know, I think, I think the era of, you know, putting big importance on a lot of these big institutional endorsements is kind of going by the wayside. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a rise in populism, which, which has seen down south uh, Donald Trump come to office and, and here in Ontario, uh, to an extent, Doug Ford uh, take on the leadership of the PC party. Uh, but we see, you know, through and even, even with Jagmeet Singh, uh, take uh, winning the leadership of the of the federal NDP. Uh, we've seen <laughs> social media and other other channels be leveraged to be able to get out there and actually speak directly to voters. Uh, I, I still think endorsements are are important. They're just not as important as they once were, perhaps. Well, nonetheless, I mean, the teachers are a big voting block. Um, Kathleen Wynne needs them. She doesn't have them. And, you know, and, and Andrea Horvath just keeps creeping up in the polls. It must be nice to be Andrea Horvath. I'd be really nice, too, if I went through this a campaign with never being challenged. I think absolutely. And I think if you look at kind of what Omar was saying in terms of how the support of the unions break down, yes, what he said is is actually accurate. But if you're the NDP kind of looking at where this race is today and coming into that, you're feeling pretty good that publicly the teachers unions, doesn't matter which one, this gets spun and gets delivered and, and internalized as the teachers unions, this is a change election, are supporting the NDP. And that makes it hard for the liberals. It means they have to now explain and kind of get into the nuance of stuff. And then there's the old uh, rule, if you're explaining, you're losing going forward. For sure. And hats off, you know, partisanship aside, I think the NDP has actually run a fairly good campaign so far. Well, excuse me. Excuse me. It's Uh, not real hard. How are you today is not really a tough question. (laughs) Wow, uh, you look really nice uh, in red. I I mean, come on. I think Andrea, by and large, did fairly well out of the debate. I think 
Doug she wasn't asked anything. I, I think, Doug, I, think, I, think I think I think Doug Ford showed a lot of weaknesses, which we can get into in a bit if you want. Uh, and I think you know my 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 leader. I think uh, to be honest, I think she sounded too much like a deputy minister. And she pivoted the too next technical. day. Yeah, she pivoted the next day, and she started talking about personal stories and growing up, and uh, and her mom, uh, uh, you know, working with Italian kids in the Sioux. Um, but and that you know she needs to do more of that. Uh, but you know, well, as she needs to uh, reduce the um, debt by about 150 billion. Okay. Uh, but but I don't think that's going to happen this campaign. We'll, we'll fight about that another time. Uh, but <laughs> I think as the you know Naturally. As, as the NDP, uh, you, you know, if, if if the NDP numbers stay constant to where they are right now, and historically over over the course of campaigns, they haven't been able to maintain that. But if they do, I think legitimately we're going to start to see parties like mine, uh, parties like Jamie's. Uh, and the media start to uh, um, start poking holes in, in some I, of that I don't NDP the media armor. Will, but but certainly Alex Pearson will. Well, we know I that. Don't, well I have been though, and I have yeah. been because campaigns matter, but so do platforms. Yeah. And you can criticize Doug Ford fairly. You can demand accountability. We demanded of Kathleen Wynne. But if you're going to offer billions and billions in fantasy, you know, promises to the Ontario taxpayer, you better be able to speak to it. And when she was asked to provide the data, even just for the 30 percent hydro decrease she's promising, she couldn't she couldn't deliver. She didn't have it. Well, that, and yet that's the reporters one thing she's just got. Away. And that's one thing she had in common with Doug Ford, who showed, you know, quite frankly, I think he showed I don't think he even understands some of his own policy that he's announced. But, you know, again, that's another story. Um you know, a- Andrea, this is her third campaign, too, right? Right, because so, she's so, been completely irrelevant. So she's been largely irrelevant in campaigns up until now, but her, her personal approval numbers, uh, f- you know, since she's been leader, essentially, have been consistently high. Uh, so, you know, I think the, the, the guns are going to start to turn on her a little bit now. Deservedly so. Look, she's in the high 20s or low 30s, depending on the poll you look at. Uh, I, I saw a poll yesterday that had her maybe five points behind Doug Ford. But doesn't, so, doesn't that mean she could be, has she peaked too soon? I don't think it necessarily means she peaks too soon, but I think a ton of scrutiny is about to come her way. Even from like a campaign perspective, you're going to devote your resources to who you think your competition is. Yeah. And more often than not, the NDP is the also-rans. There's certain ridings where they're competitive, but it tends to be more regionally concentrated, and they're never any serious threat of, of forming government. So when you look at Andrea's numbers come up as, as they're looking to and her likability factors and what this kind of looks like, we were talking off-air, and mm-hmm. they're polling in some parts of the 905 as number two in places where the NDP are typically not competitive. They're, they're right. polling number with one in, in certain polls are number one in southwestern Ontario. Right. Here's my question, So though. with that, though, Alex, what you're yeah. going to start to see, in addition to kind of enhanced media scrutiny as to, in terms of what you're doing and the numbers aspect of it, the opposition researchers will also start now looking at their candidates that more closely. And so everyone knows Andrea Horvath. Someone name another candidate. Well, yeah. Who's going to yes. be in that cabinet? And yeah. like, yeah. that yeah. level of scrutiny is coming if these numbers kind of persist and the yeah. trends well, continue. Yeah. Can we? Can, do you know anybody? Like, who would her finance minister be? Here's the thing. Um, you know, you can vote them in, but you have to have experience. You can hate Doug Ford all you want, yeah. but what you can't say is that his team does not have any experience. He's, sure. got, he's got lots of experience yeah. on the bench. So if you're not sure of Doug Ford, at least you can say, well, Vic Fidelli, Lisa McLeod, there's a lot of Todd Smith, that you can say the same thing for the liberals. Yeah. I don't know anybody in the liberal caucus. And frankly, would they even have a clue what they're doing on, on day one? So the, we saw this before, right? So when they won in 1990, they had to appoint a minister responsible for small business. So they canvassed, uh, this is actually in Bob Ray's autobiography. So they canvassed the caucus, and the only person who had small business experience in the caucus was a guy who was selling 
tourist t-shirts out of the back of a van in Niagara, and that guy became the minister of. Small but this business. happened also with the Jack Layton when 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 yeah. you know they had the orange crush, they had that surge, they had a whole but bunch. But they of, weren't governing anything at they least. They weren't right? governing, but they you know, you know these guys you know it's legitimate. They might have the keys to the castle in in a few weeks. Uh, I I think I think enhanced scrutiny is legitimate, not only on their platform, which by the way has some fairly outlandish elements in it. So we're talking massive tax hikes, sorry, massive tax hikes, uh, both for corporations and individuals. Uh, but as you said, there's no, uh, in, in terms of the, her costing, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the homework hasn't been done. So legitimate questions, how is she going to pay for things? Who's she going to hit to pay for things? Well, the rich, uh, and, apparently. Well, the, but what is rich? We don't even and, know who and, she know, thinks is Alex, rich. Alex, you know, and Jamie, you know that I always spout out about Ontario having the lowest unemployment rate uh, in 20 years, which is true. So 5.6%, which is where it is at right now, is less than half of what it was when the last NDP government left office. I've talked to a lot of business owners uh, in my private time, and a lot of them have said, look, I'm waiting to see what happens with this election, and if Andrea Horvath comes in, I'm shutting down. And that's not even rhetoric. These are these are mid-sized you know, auto manufacturing plants, and they're saying, I cannot do this anymore, and if I don't yeah. have someone at least with some hope... I, I will shut down. Well, she's running on a tax increase. Well, yeah, of course she is to the rich. And what's rich in what's rich in this country? Well, this is also where in a change election, if people want real change, I think Doug Ford and the Ontario PC platform is the only actual real change off the path that we've been on of increased taxes. Increased I would take the Trillium Party over any. I really would. T- I would. Le- I just. <laughs> uh, that is scary. Well, it is scary, but. <laughs> While Andrea Horvath is known and nice and looks like she would be a really friendly person to be around, I mean, there's some serious questions. She's got a number of investigations going on in Hamilton, three human rights complaints, 12 complaints of bullying and harassment. I mean, she's got two MPPs running that are involved in some very serious allegations. Do you hear anything about it? It's like, that's cricket. And she's got a federal leader who's very, very soft on Quebec separatism. I've never heard her contradict his position on that. Uh, you know, uh, Ontarians are Canadians first. So I think that's a legitimate issue potentially in this campaign as well. My concern, Jamie, <coughs> pardon me, is that people are looking for someone who they like. And I think it's important that people realize these are not our friends. They work for us and they have to do the job. It's a job. This is where I think the real challenge and also opportunity for the Ontario PCs in this campaign is to kind of do what Brad Wall did successfully, which oh is God, complete Don't mention his name. I love that man. No, but Why can't he run? The policy of it, uh, conservatives have a tendency to always just talk about numbers, and it kind of comes across as a bit of cold. Uh, with the great announcement today, the tax cut of 20% for the middle class tax bracket, which would put up to $746 back that gonna into... Be uh, I think if you look at the numbers and the broader costing of it, they've said that a costing uh, will be released in the coming days or weeks. Uh, but we also know that there's also a multi-billion dollar swing of uh, debate right now as to the state of the f- of the books in yeah. Ontario as a result of accounting practices by this government and where things are being tallied for. So I think if you what you're getting with Doug Ford and the Ontario PCs right now is very clear indications of the priorities that they want to be setting. And they're kind of setting up to, we will look at the books when we come into government and uh, take it from there. I mean, the thing about Doug Ford, at least he's speaking the right language of turning things around. Yeah. I mean, uh, Doug Ford's spouting, we know you hate he's him spouting right fake math. Oh, he, he came out with an announcement yesterday. <laughs> come on. He came out. Omar. I, I don't care that he doesn't know how I to like make a bill. I like you a lot, but I, I, you can't possibly talk about math with your government. Five dollars every time, Omar. Five dollars every time you say fake. I don't. I don't care that he doesn't know how to how a bill becomes a law. I don't care. I do care that he makes a transit announcement 
and underestimates the costing by $18 billion. (laughs) I I don't even think he knew that that, that's what he did. I know, but but you can't, your party is not good with numbers either. Okay, math is hard and we know it. We got to take a break there. Governing is hard. Governing is very hard. I have to take a break. Now you're making hosting (laughs) hard. Quick break here. We'll take a break. I'm Alex Pierce and we'll continue Counterpoint after this. I'm, uh, your list is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for Counterpoint Part 2 with me, Omar Khan, and Jamie Ellerton. Good to have you both. Well, today in question period, uh, which the Prime Minister decided to show up for, um, he got a little bit uh, hot and bothered over a comment that uh, Conservative MP Aaron O'Toole said when he criticized his use of the word swagger to de- to describe Canada's growth of our innovation economy. So... This was Trudeau's response. The Conservatives seem to have an issue with the idea of swagger, the idea of Canadians being strong and proud on the world stage, Canadians understanding that being back on the world stage, being positively engaged, being confident about our investments in AI, our investments in new technologies, our investments in the economy of the future are things to be proud of here in Canada. No, we will not apologize for swaggering when it comes to talking about I feel sorry for the people who took his acting classes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought that was great. Oh, of course you do. About. Of course you do. I Look, mean, come on. That's con- El Chizo. Conservatives, whenever they're in power, are like, oh, you know, we have to be nationalistic and oh, proud Canadians. And yeah, that's fine. So but that's they don't stand doing. up and sound like a Molson Canadian commercial. No, look, look, our, our, it is a, part of the job of the prime minister is to go and sell Canada abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Canadians about being proud of the fact that, yes, we have the lowest unemployment rate nationally in 40 years. Uh, that, you know, we've been leading the G7 in economic growth nationally for the last number of years that, you, you know, uh, 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 that that companies like Amazon are throwing down a thousand jobs in British Columbia. Companies like Toyota are coming into Ontario. I, don't, I think that that's something <laughs> that we should be Don't even start with the Toyota, yeah. Corporate think, welfare for a $22 well, billion. You never criticized uh, it when Stephen Harper used to do I it. I don't like it when any party does it, and I did criticize it, so take okay, that back. Okay, fine, I do fine. not approve I, of corporate welfare for multi-billion dollar companies. It, it's, it's creating a lot of jobs, and it adds a lot of uh, inputs into the multiplier. But again, I'm tone it down. Now. I mean, it is cringeworthy to hear the drama Oh. oh, come on. Come on, guys. I, I saw the old Stephen Harper ads with like the, the, the fighter jets and we stand by our allies and Canada's strong and we're fighting. Okay, it's, this is the same thing. It's just not about military excursions around the world. This is about like, was, Canada's economy and Canada's standing in the world. Yeah, listen, drama. the Prime Minister wanted to be driving a message today. They always have called it question period, never answer period. Anytime the Prime Minister's getting up on this, he's going to pontificate over whatever Gerald's briefing note said to him prior <laughs> to going into the House. And uh, that's how this government operates. I don't think there's any surprises here. We could all roll our eyes. Interestingly, we should mention... That one of the uh, federal uh, people in the in the office of um, the defense ministry, as well as the PMO's office, is coming to Ontario to join the campaign. Yeah, of your Z- boss, Zeta's the fixer. Get, they call Z- her the fixer. So actually, the first time I worked with Zita was in 2008 when she was uh, the, an executive assistant on the Stefan Dion campaign, and, and she helped. How do you me, fix that? She, she helped. <laughs> she helped me source uh, 1,500 flags uh, on short notice for a big rally we were doing with the John Chrétien. So is she a Z- miracle worker? Is Z- she the- Zita is uh, one of the hardest working people I know in politics. She has. Work hard in politics. Uh, well, and and she she's been uh, you know she's she was a very close advisor to Premier Wynne for a long long time. She was her, her press secretary. Uh, I think having her presence on this campaign. 
uh, is nothing but a positive, and she's going to bring some real energy into that war room. Let's talk about Roseanne Barr making waves with last night's episode where uh, a Muslim family moves in next door, and it has triggered the easily triggered. Here's just a bit of the episode. Roseanne, get in here. What? You can't just stand on the front porch staring at your Muslim neighbors. Anytime something bad happens, it's always somebody who lives next door to somebody. Oh my God, Mom, you have no reason to believe those people want to hurt you. They'd have to get to know you first. I need to talk to my mom. It's almost time. We could be here forever trying to break into their Wi-Fi. You have to go over there, Roseanne, and politely ask those people to borrow the password. We're from Yemen. Oh, good. Yemen's not even on the travel ban list. (laughs) Yes, it is. Some people yelled some pretty terrible things at us the other day, and he started to have nightmares. Okay, so we're laughing. The whole point of doing this episode from Roseanne Barr was as a learning. She wants to bring this issue up prey upon all the stereotypes because next week's episode is apparently uh, about teaching compassion understanding. You're Muslim. Yeah. Are you offended by this? Uh, Not at all. I I actually think uh, this is great. You know, I'm not generally the biggest fan of Roseanne's politics, uh, but I think this is is fine. I actually think it's great because most people, or I would imagine the bulk of people, particularly in the U.S. who watch this show, tend to be, uh, you know, amongst the demographic that perhaps voted for Trump. Uh, and I think it's important for them uh, to uh, normalize or to be normalized to the fact that, you know, Muslims are just like everybody else. Uh, they could be your neighbor. They could be on the streetcar with you. Um, I saw a study. I can't remember whom, whom it's from, but there was a study that's out there um, that indicates that in the U.S. Of, 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 of U.S. citizens that say they have at least one Muslim friend, mm-hmm. uh, their perception of Islam uh, is something like uh, 50% more positive than the general population. Uh, so, you know, I think it's important for, for these conversations to happen, and good on Roseanne. Well, good on Roseanne because she's got enormous followers. I mean, she's she gets millions and millions of people um, watching her. And, and like Omar says, she is a big supporter of Trump. She makes no bones about it. She speaks out against the left in Hollywood, and here she is tackling the one issue that the right is generally uh, criticized for. Yeah, I think this is also kind of really the power of art. Most people don't think of a sitcom as art in like the conventional sense when you hear people in downtown galleries swooshing their Pinot Noir and then critiquing what they're seeing on the wall. But uh, I think this is a good thing. It kind of it, it forces people to like look at others and put themselves in their shoes and I think makes it really relatable. Uh, I've actually been surprised in watching the first few episodes of the uh, Roseanne rerun or relaunch, I should say. Well, she's poked and I think fun it's like really herself. topical and I, I think, yeah, it's kind of self-deprecating and I think it's all around. It's just yeah. like everyone kind of take a step back. We're kind of still people. Uh, and yes, there's going to be some fundamental disagreements uh, and values and whatnot, yeah. but for the most part... We're all just trying to get by. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know, there was a show in the 70s called Archie Bunker. All, all in the Family we, we with Archie said Bunker. That. Yeah. She's the modern day Archie Bunker. Uh, but uh, they actually did an episode where a African American family moved next door to him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was sitting down with them, and that's not what they called them <laughs> on his show. No, but you know, but you know, you know this is you know 2018. Um, but and I, I, I can't remember, but I think Sammy Davis Jr. somehow made it yes. in the episode. Yeah. But that was his epiphany, right? That was the the moment, you know, where perhaps he realized. Uh, some of his own biases um, and and try to try to correct them. Yeah, I think everyone's just got to stop with these knee jerk reactions. Just let, let, see where it's going, because to me it was very obvious that she was exposing the stereotypes to make a point. Yeah, we'll see, guys. I got to leave it there. Happy campaigning. Excellent. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. <laughs> Jamie Ellerton, Omar Khan, joining me tonight. They'll uh, be back as the days continue in the campaign. You're on point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. 
You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.